Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Welcome aboard, everybody, to Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. I'm Suzanne Downing, and my co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic in beautiful Nikiski. Scott Levesque, our producer, is on the soundboard. This is the place for conservatives to exchange ideas about Alaska politics and where politics is the talk of the town on the last frontier. So we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. We have a great show for you today with two special guests, Brett Huber from Defend Alaska Elections, Vote No on Two, and Jim Minnery from Alaskans for Judicial Reform to talk about, I don't know how we say this, disrobing an, a Supreme Court justice. We, he's Vote No on Susan Carney is his, is his mission in life. Can't really say that though, can we? So first, John, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome, Suzanne. It's a great day out here on the Kenai Peninsula Borough. It's uh, sunny and 38 degrees. Last night we had a little bit of a windstorm uh, but I did have a, a moose and two baby moose in my backyard, which were pretty awesome. I woke my kids up at uh, uh, probably around 8.30. They were kind of just falling asleep, but I thought it was cool enough for them to get out of bed to I spy on two little baby moose. Very awesome. Hey, before we get started with our guests, can you just tell everybody about this new partnership we have with the Newsbreak app and how that's going? Explain to people what that is and how well it's going for us. Yeah, so Newsbreak is a really cool app. They are a uh, number three in the app store in terms of pushing news out to the United States and really all around the around the globe. Um, what they do is they take local news and they make it available to anybody that has their app wherever they are. So if I'm in Toronto or if I'm in LA, they'll localize where I'm at and bring me the local news for wherever I'm at. And they are the best in the business. And so what we've done is We've signed a syndication deal with Must Read Alaska with them, and we've been up and at it for maybe 10 days now, and we've gotten, Must Read Alaska has gotten around 300,000 impressions so far through their app. So that means that 300,000 times people have seen Must Read Alaska stories uh, while using the Newsbreak app. It's a great app. It's a full, uh, Newsbreak has got a uh, full staff. So they're like in their third round of venture capitalist funding. You know, they've got probably around a hundred staff or so. So they are a big time technology news company and they are delivering the latest and greatest right to your front door via their app. Very good. Well, thank you, John. That's amazing work on your part. And everybody just go ahead and download that Newsbreak app. I've been using it for a long time and you are going to love it. And so just switching up here for a second, I'm just really thrilled to have Brett Huber on the show with us today. He's the director of Defend Alaska Elections, Vote No on Two, and he's here to tell us about Ballot Measure Two because he's read all 25 pages of it, so we don't have to. And so welcome to the show, Brett. Suzanne, thank you. And thanks for taking the chance to the, the opportunity to let us share our message through this great podcast. Well, I appreciate that. I know we've, we've, we're the new podcast, but we're already getting like 500 downloads on each episode. So you're going to be able to reach 500 people and, and with the message for what's going on with ballot measure two. And I know that you're in the final seven days of your campaign to defend our elections from this outside big money. So 
what is going on? What would ballot measure two actually do to Alaska elections? So I'm going to start with kind of the over the, the overview, and that's here's what you need to know about those 25 pages of tangled mess. I've read them multiple times. I've had two past attorney generals read the pages. I've had attorneys read the pages. Nobody can accurately describe what it will do. But I can tell you this, everybody agrees it's a wholesale taking of our current fair, transparent um, and surety in our election process and throwing it in the garbage and try something that's never been done anywhere else before. It's a full on experiment and I get into the, the, into the details if you wish. Oh, I would love it. So it's got it's got three components. And I know this went to court because, of course, it violated the single subject rule. But for some reason, the Supreme Court said, well, it's about elections. That's one subject. But it's really about three separate things. And each one of them is a lever that changes the, the election. We don't really know how they all interact together. Can you explain the three things that it does? Big three, the big three. We'll start with ranked choice voting, right? That's the thing that people are hearing about. They're hearing most about dark money. We'll get to that. But ranked choice voting, that's a system that provides um, everybody the opportunity and the mandate, if you want your vote to count fully, to vote for every candidate in the race, whether you agree with them or not. So if you pick a winner because that's the person that you've selected, your vote sits there while the other candidates go through a second and a third counting and reshuffle to see if you still win. If you pick just one candidate and they lose, your vote gets thrown out. How often does that happen? About three out of 10 votes. So ranked choice voting has been a horror story. It's only exists in one state, Maine. They told people there the same thing. It'll make elections cleaner. It'll eliminate dark money. It'll make everybody friendly. What's happened in Maine in the last two elections, the most expensive and the ugliest races in Maine history, with the same people backing this ballot measure, spending dark money in those races, Suzanne. Ranked choice voting, is, is, it's been repealed in numerous locations. It just doesn't seem to work, and it's certainly not an experiment that we believe Alaskans ought to try. So with ranked choice voting, it's, um, it's sort of like an automatic runoff only. It's all counted by computers, and you never really get to, do, to see a hand count anywhere. In, in this process, there's you know you just have to depend on some uh, vote counting machine to sort of uh, assess all these votes out to where they're supposed to go in the third round, the fourth round, and so forth. Um, I, I'm not sure that um, some people might understand exactly how it works, but I would guess that a lot of voters, especially like maybe elderly voters, would have a tough time with this. So the studies have shown they've been clear across the nation, and many studies have been done, including by Fair Vote USA, the federal group that's pushing this here in Alaska, the outsiders that are pushing in Alaska, it shows that the elderly, it shows that minorities, it shows that people whose English isn't first language are vastly disadvantaged by this system and their votes count less. Interesting, so what's, now what's the second thing that it does besides ranked choice voting nightmare? Their second gift in this beautiful ballot measure is called jungle primaries. So we have those in California and Washington. This is a little bit of a twist. It's a four-way jungle primary. So everybody throws their hat in the ring, Party affiliations don't appear unless you ask them to. People pick four candidates, move forward. They're doing this in California. One of the problems it is it just removes choice. 17 congressional districts, the choice is Democrat one or Democrat two. Um, that'd be just as bad if it was independent one and independent two. It eliminates choice, Suzanne, and it takes away the right of parties to select their candidates to appear on the general election ballot. And it makes it harder for other small parties to petition directly to the general election ballot. So it's a big choice reducer. So essentially, if you're a, a, like a libertarian or a member of the Green Party, you would not be able to really advance a candidate at this point. I mean, your candidate just simply wouldn't, wouldn't be able to, to go to the, the general election ballot. As sure. it, like right now, we have like the Constitution Party and, and the Alaska Independence Party. Would, would, would they sort of just disappear because their candidates are kind of minor players or something? 
So I would expect that that would be the case, right? Currently, the way that you get those disparate votes and those people, Alaskans that believe in that represented is by they go to directly to the general election by petition. This would eliminate that. So you're going to put these people that are smaller parties that are trying to get to a hold that are representing a less, a less Alaskans in a disadvantage if you throw them into one big, one big hat and just let the top four pop out. I, I believe you're right. Interesting. And so basically you are disenfranchised parties and you disenfranchise people from their ability to associate politically with groups of people who share their values. Now tell me about um, the dark money piece because there's an awful lot of money coming in on and, and uh, trying to rejigger our elections. It's, it's no, no Alaska money is involved in this. So there's almost $7 million in that race right now, Suzanne. $20,000 from Alaskans in a year and a half of campaigning, a rounding error, less than three tenths of a percent. This is all outside money. It's all outside idea. It's all outside coming at us. And it's overwhelming Alaskans with their internally poll tested message of 81% of Alaskans don't like dark money. What they're not telling Alaskans is they're using dark money to scare them about dark money. What they're not telling Alaskans is they're exempting themselves from their dark money provisions. So the same ballot measure where we know millions of dollars are poured in almost every election cycle, that'll still happen. These same billionaires can come back in two years and buy another chunk of the state if we let them get away with it this time. It also doesn't impact federal races where you see the majority of the spend. So really they've created a monster that doesn't exist. Everybody wants transparency, so do we. We just don't wanna to lie to Alaskans to trick them into losing their vote over a promise that won't deliver. So this is, uh, we're talking to Brett Huber today. He's the director of Defend Alaska Elections, Vote No on Two. And so we're talking about ballot measure two. And, and I'm just discovering this for the first time. It's really sinking in that none of this uh, ballot measure two, it doesn't affect federal elections. And you're saying it also doesn't affect ballot initiatives. It only affects um, like legislative races in the governor's race, for worse instance. Than, worse than that, Suzanne, if you're, a, if you're a candidate in a small town, you've been involved in education, you wanna run for the school board, you can put your name in for the school board. If for some reason a political affiliate or affiliation like a chamber of commerce wants to give you a few dollars, you as the school board candidate and your treasurer that's never done this before have to go through this crazy onerous reporting provision that shows Alaska nothing that we don't already know. It just makes it harder in those kind of races. So this not only doesn't cure the problem, it creates a problem for us right here in Hope. So I, I just, I guess I really don't understand. We've got these three things happening. We've got ranked choice voting and jungle primary. And then, and then this, this provision on dark money that probably could have been handled separately and more, more effectively. But who wrote this monstrosity? Who actually had a hand in penning the, this ballot measure? So there are three people so far that I've heard claim it. That's Scott Kendall, former chief of staff to Bill Walker. That's Jason Gren. Uh, an independent candidate that won and lost his seat. And that's Bruce Patella, who's been a political operative in politics in Alaska for a lot of years. So who didn't write it? All of the rest of Alaska. Who didn't have a say in the drafting? All of the rest of Alaska. Did they come ask you? They didn't ask me. I've been asking groups around the state. Did they ask your opinion? To the, to the one, every group said no. First thing we've heard from them is when they want our vote. They didn't want our input. That ought to be a big red flag, Suzanne. Wow, and so basically you have three people writing this and then um, we had how many, I don't know how many people signed the petition. I mean, th they had to get 25, 30,000 signatures. What was it? 
So they turned in 40,000 because they wanted to make sure, you know, as you do, that you have enough. They did that by paying people to collect signatures. They did that by the same thing that people do, right? You go to the grocery store, somebody puts a clipboard in front of your face. You know what they didn't do? They didn't have them read the 25 pages. That's why it got thrown off the ballot in North Dakota and Arkansas, because their Supreme Court said, there's no way these petition signers read and understand what they were signing. Well, that is really interesting because on our show a little bit later, we're going to have Jim Minery talking about um, our judicial system. And we're going to ask him about this because this is actually pretty interesting that our, our Supreme Court is so liberal that it just decided that, yeah, if you know, if people signed this, of course they read the 25 pages. It just defies all logic that anybody would have read that standing in front of the grocery store. Well, we really appreciate the work you do on this. And is there anything else that, that like Alaskans can do to help you or is it, can they find out more information? Absolutely. So a couple things. Our website is defendalaskaelections.com, defendalaskaelections.com. And, and if you don't have time to read the 25 pages, you know, look to people that, that you can trust. Look to people that have involved in the process. Look to people that are on our side of this issue. Look to former Governor Parnell, former Senator Begich, Senator Johnny Ellis. Um, look to Bernie Carl, an independent that doesn't like either party, but's in the middle of this. We have 33 co-chairs statewide. They represent Alaska, every color, every ethnicity, every political stripe. If you don't want to read the 25 pages, turn to the opposition language. It was co-authored by Mark Begich and Sean Parnell. Now, when those two come together and agree that something's bad for Alaska from their very different perspectives, that means something to me, and I think it will to other Alaskans, Suzanne. Well, very good. Thank you so much for being on the Must Read Alaska show today, Brett. I'm going to cut you free because I know you've got a lot of work to do, and I'm going to make sure we push this out so that Alaskans all over the state get a chance to hear your message. Thanks again for joining us. Take care now. Thank you, Suzanne. And the last thing that I would say is Alaskans talking to Alaskans is something we need and they can't buy. So tell all of your friends, all of your neighbors, all of your church groups, all of your associations, don't let these billionaires have their way with us. Thanks, Suzanne. All right. Cheer. Cheers. Well, John, that was a really interesting section. And um, I, I learned a lot right there. I, I don't know about you, but I, I really learned a lot from him. I learned that, um, that actually you've got you, you've got a lot of outside money coming in, but will only affect the local elections. It won't affect the big money elections that we have, like um, with, um, the, with the, the federal elections. It's only gonna affect mayor, the, the governor and the legislature. So that was interesting. Yeah, one of the things that I think is a very simple way that I've explained this to folks is that, let's say if you go to the ballot box and you see five candidates and you only like one of them and your values only align with one of them. If you pick that one candidate and we have ranked choice voting and that one candidate doesn't get the majority of the votes, then they go to this computerized second round. And if you've only picked one and you haven't ranked the other ones, your vote gets thrown out and you no longer count. And if the average Alaskan knew that, they would not be for ranked choice voting. Well, that's going to be interesting because I have a feeling if it does pass, it's going to end up in court because there's going to be some people who just feel disenfranchised by this and they're, they're going to take it to court and, and try to untangle it. So, you know, I noticed that there's an article in, in Breitbart about this, about ranked choice voting in Alaska and talking about all the big money that's being brought into, you know, it's a cheap date up here. Everybody always tries to mess with our elections. So Breitbart's got an article. We ran it on the front of uh, Must Read Alaska today. But there's also a big article in the Boston Globe today about these billionaires 
pouring money into the Alaska election cycle. So um, I'm going to be really interested to read that as well. So listen, our next guest is Jim Minnery. And uh, Jim, I, I hope you're on with us. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can. And thank you for joining the Must Read Alaska show today with John oh. Quick and myself. Hey, John, uh, we haven't met, but uh, nice to, nice to kind of meet you. Yes, so nice got, to meet you. Somebody's got their phone ringing back there. Which, no, <laughs> I know. This I'm is telling my kids to pick it up, but it's just not going to happen. So we're going to have to right. deal with that. This is a busy time of year for everybody. So oh, yeah. uh, Jim is the director of the Alaska's for Judicial, Judicial Reform, and he's here to talk with us about the vote no on Susan Carney for um, Judicial Retention Campaign. Welcome to the show, and thank you for making time in your busy schedule for us. Thank you so much. Good to be here. Folks just need to know that even though uh, it's going to be on the bottom of your ballot, as it always is, uh, don't forget to vote no on Susan Carney because uh, she's been nothing but trouble since she's got on the bench. So, uh, so John, are you, uh, do you have any questions for, or for Jim? Because I've sort of hogged that last section here and I sure want to hear what you have to say. Nice. So thanks so much for joining us, Jim. You know, can you talk to, to us and our listeners a little bit about um, who appointed her and how she was appointed and, and where did we get her from? Yeah, we, we have in, in the state of Alaska what's called the Missouri Plan. And uh, I don't know exactly how many states. There's a handful of states that have it. But basically, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be a nonpartisan. In fact, that's all the things you're going to hear from uh, the folks on the other side is what a wonderful system we have in Alaska. Oh, it's so nonpartisan, so apolitical, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. So the reality is that this, this group called the Alaska Judicial Council has uh, four attorneys and three um, non-attorneys on it. The, the attorneys are not, or are not confirmed by the legislature. The individuals on it are, and those are appointed by the governor. The, the problem is that the bar is so extremely liberal that people getting through that judicial council to be given to the governors as potential appointments to the bench are always just about left-leaning. Um, and in fact, what's interesting is that they're always talking about the Constitution and how great it is that we created this. Well, there's a there's a report that was established or that was given rather to the um, in, initial uh, members that are uh, that were drafting the Alaska state constitution. And the report was about the, the way they're setting up a judiciary or the process for selecting judicial candidates. And the report basically said, you guys have gotten, uh, you, you've developed a system that's uh, probably uh, more, um, gives more power to the bar association than any other state. So it's, it's mm -hmm. very clear to anybody that does a little bit of research that, um, that our system is rigged to put liberals um, up to the governor. So tell, so tell me this much, how, what is, what is Susan, uh, Justice Susan Carney done that's so wrong? I mean, she, that just that raised yeah. the ire of your group and you want to get rid of her. Well, she's, there's three cases that we're highlighting, although we're getting ready to highlight a fourth case here that we can talk about. But um, the, uh, the first one that has been getting the most traction is that, the, that she ruled that the Alaska's 1994 law that created a, a public sex offender registry violated the privacy rights of the sexual molester or predator. So without any legal authority, the court gave itself the power to exempt 
any sex offender from the registration requirement. And ultimately, that has galvanized the Alaska Native community because, of course, we have the highest rate of sexual assault in the country, and we have for years. And so Justice Carney thinks that the court knows best if you, as an Alaskan, should be aware of a sexual molester or predator living next door to your family. And that's really ticked off a lot of folks across the state. Um, yeah, interesting. I, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I know I've looked at that map to see where they are in, in relationship to my house. You know, you want to know, if, especially if you have any young kids around your neighborhood, you surely want well, to know. Well, and, and the reality is that, um, is that uh, they, they have a high rate of recidivism. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, there's reconciliation, there's forgiveness, there's, hey, they can move on with their lives and lead uh, good lives, depending on, you know, how they respond to their situation. But it's just exactly what Justice Stowers and Justice um, Bolger said in their dissenting opinion, that the, um, the, uh, the reality of protecting the public safety trumps any rights that the predator or sexual molester uh, believes that they should have um, by getting off the registry. And so that, that one, uh, it's basically, it's a John Doe versus Department of Public Safety um, uh, is the name of the case. And we have information on our website, Vote No Carney. It's V-O-T-E-N-O-C-A-R-N-E-Y.com. Vote No Carney. And you can look at each of these cases. Um, the next one that we've highlighted quite a bit and that's really ticked off a lot of folks and animated them is that... Um, is that she basically said in her ruling that Alaskan taxpayers should be forced to pay for elective abortions through Medicaid. And ultimately Medicaid, as we all know, is not meant to pay for elective procedures. And um, so the legislature passed a law, uh, signed into law by Governor Parnell, and basically it said that no, no taxpayer funding should go for elective abortions. And um, and we defined it very specifically. There's, there was like 16 or 18 different um, instances where these uh, healthcare specialists, neonatologists and gynecologists that we had testify down in Juneau basically say, okay, here's a couple different incidences where yes, this would be considered medically necessary. And oh, by the way, it's about 1% of all abortions, if that. Hmm. Well, Justice Susan Carney said, Alaskans have to pay for a hundred percent of all abortions, regardless if they're elective. Um, Chief Justice Craig Stowers in his dissent said, quote, nothing in Alaska's equal protection clause requires the state to subsidize non-medically necessary abortions for medical Medicaid eligible women simply because it provides them with medically necessary health care. So that's, that's the one that's really opened up a can of worms for her as well. And we knew that that was kind of what the original reason why, because I work, I also work for the Alaska Family Action, Alaska Family Council, and, and we, we deal with those kinds of issues related to, to life and, and to marriage and religious liberty and those kinds of things. So that got our attention. But then as we dove, dove in, we realized, my gosh, she has a ton of things, you know, the sexual predator thing. Uh, get, you know, mandating elective abortions. And then the third one we're highlighting is that when Governor Walker uh, vetoed, you know, almost half of our permanent fund, um, you know, a group of current and former legislators got together and filed a lawsuit against that, um, you know, the legality of that veto. And that included Senator Clem Tillian, 
who's one of the founders of the permanent fund. So, but Justice Carney, in her wisdom, basically ratified Governor Walker's decision and said that the, uh, despite the fact that, that that is set by a legal formula in law that's never been changed, uh, your, your dividend can be cut in half. And so that's mm. animated a whole nother group of folks. And, you know, we're, we're getting some momentum. I, I'd like to think we have a shot at this. I mean, I'd say we're probably being outspent, although it's interesting because when you go to APOC, you don't see, a, uh, as far as I know, you don't see a group, even though there is a group that's defending her, um, you don't see anything on APOC about it. Yeah, I've been, I've been hearing about that. Readers have been flagging that one on me. So basically you have, you have three things. You've, you've got the, uh, you've got the, that she, the vote on the PFD, it's that she has ruled in favor of Medicaid for all abortions, uh, for all Medicaid abortions. And, um, not that third thing just fell out of my brain. Tell me no, again. The PFD, the Good. abortions and the sexual predator, the sexual predator. Um, a, a sex offender registry. But I mean, we're just getting ready to release, I think, our fourth editorial um, opinion by some fairly well-known retired uh, public safety uh, professionals that were in the arena for a long time. And in, it was a 2018 case, Lum versus Coles. Where just, Justice Carney basically ruled that a family in Utkiadvik or Barrow, um, they sued two police officers and the North Slope Borough, alleging that the police entered their home unlawfully. Forget the fact that the you know someone who reported the incident said that you know, he had been on meth, they were having a fight, that the woman had been, had suffered bruises and a cut on her head, but Justice Carney ruled. Uh, basically that uh, against the police officers and the North Slope Borough. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, the opinion from the, uh, from again, Bolger and Stowers, they said it, it basically complicates the police response to domestic violence situation by limiting a court's consideration of a victim's report conveyed to a police dispatcher. And it's, it, it, it's, it's harsh. It says, ignoring this information endangers some of the most vulnerable victims, those who, whose pleas are being silenced by threats of, and violence. And so she, it, it, she has a, a habit of, of uh, siding with um, the sexual predators and molesters, as well as those who are perpetuating domestic violence and, and against the police officers. Very good. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can we just, you know, we have to close out because we're, we're running up against the time, but where can people find out more about your effort to unseat this Supreme Court judge? Go to vote no Carney. It's all uh, spelled out small, uh, small caps and no spaces. Vote no Carney, that's C A R N E Y dot com. And uh, you can go to our social media and like everything and share it with your friends. And let's send a message to the courts that they don't own the, own the Constitution. We do. They get to interpret it. We get to set the laws. Thank you so much for being on our show. We will talk to you again soon, especially after the election. Cannot wait to, to hear back from you about how it goes. Thanks right, so thank much. You got some good work. Well, John, that is a lot to take in today, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I think of the single mom that has got, you know, one, two or three kids and she's moving into downtown Anchorage and she pulls up the app on her phone that shows her where all these sex predators live so that she knows to stay away from maybe that apartment complex or that neighborhood or whatever. Well, she doesn't get to do that anymore with this judge in place because this judge has said, you know, that person, that's the sexual predator's rights are way more important than, than your rights to safety. And 
that puts that single mom or single dad in a very bad place. And uh, I don't think that's right. Well, it's gonna be a real slippery slope too, because once you start um, giving a sort of an allowance for one, and then it's like, it's another judge's opinion, you, you might, go, some sexual predator might say, well, we're just going to appeal that because after all, this guy was let out, he, he was off the list, so why shouldn't I be? And so, you know, it, it does open up a can of worms for the rest of the, uh, the public here. Well, that's gonna be a wrap for today's show. I hope you stick with us and, and uh, look, at, look for more stories at mustreadalaska.com. I wanna thank you, John Quick, and thank you, Scott Levesque. I love working with you guys, a great team here at Must Read Alaska. And if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, I just wanna thank you. It makes it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And if you'd like to support the conservative side of the news, the donate button is on the right side of mustreadalaska.com. Your support allows this project to stay strong and independent against the blue tide of big liberal media. So until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. See you then right here on the Must Read Alaska Show. Take it away, Scott.